Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Selwyn. You may remember me as a host from ESPN, Attack of the Show, or even Immortalized, that competitive taxidermy show on AMC. We lasted one episode. Anyway, three times a week, I'm bringing you the realest fake news of the day. It's the Saturday Night Live News Desk, but in an audible format. Listen to the Audio Up News Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. do y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts Live from the Dream Hotel in Hollywood, California, this is Lips LA on Dash Radio. Oh, there we go. Hey, guys. What's up? Welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to uh, Lips LA Radio. Hello. Yo, Lips LA Radio. What's going on, man? We missed you. Randy Jackson in the house. Randy's what just... What it is? What is happening? Randy's just jumping in already. Like, we're right here. And he Yo, man. In. What's happening? What a legend, Randy Jackson. We're so happy to have it's you like here. It's like a model studio, Scott. Uh, it's Dash Radio, if you didn't know. So, I think we're going to we're gonna start off everything by saying hi to Randy Jackson. Randy, we're happy you're here today. Hi. We, we love you. Um, Wait a minute, you guys are kind of color-coordinated, Scott. Yeah, are we? You're Jasmine, you got the jeans and the blackish shirt. No, talk up to the mic, bro. We got to make you sure. You guys we... got the jeans and the blackish shirt? Yeah, that's true. What the hell's true. going on he in He emailed here, me the color coordinations for the what? show set. You didn't Scott get the same email? Well, you're looking good, I got to tell me? you. You always look good. Though. You're Dude, always... I'm just trying to chill and hang and vibe. You're always very well manicured. So I, wanna... I try. You, you, right? Jess? I need a mani-pedi is... today, though. I came to see you guys instead of going for my mani-pedi, guys. I well, want to you know. know your skin routine. How do you keep that complexion? Uh, I rub a lot of love on it. Oh, <laughs> Can you spread one. the love and give me some, too? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I'll take some. Hello, world. Well, Randy, thank you for coming, by the way. Randy Jackson, if you guys have been living under a rock and don't know, is an absolute legend. Um, I, I don't mean, know about that. but I, I got your whole resume, but just a couple key points I want to point out. Clearly, American Idol, What's Up Dog, Journey, which not everyone in the world knows, right? When Journey. the lights go out, wow. go down Sorry. in the, the city. city. All right, so Randy was mm-hmm. in Journey. We, we're going to go over your whole resume. But actually, what I really think is important to talk about today is how do you make it in the music industry today? 
and there's no better authority on how to make it in show business than you, also being a judge on one of the most popular shows in the world at one point, right? Well, so, how to make it is a tough one, Scott. You could talk about this too, because listen, Scott is a legendary drummer, dude. He doesn't just like run agencies, dude. This guy's a G. Thank you. Thank you know, you. we got Jesse. Jess, what's going down? Randy, I'm doing good. Thank Jess, you. Jess, where are you from? I'm from Arkansas, deep uh, down southern in the Southern girl south. like me being a southern boy in Arkansas, Louisiana, in a house with Scott. That's why Scott's we clicked Scott's got that boogie right down in New York, yo. Scott's uh, going to so, be the first to go. Right. <laughs> By the way, you have an amazing voice for radio, if I never told you. We hang out all the time, but I've never got I didn't even know you had a great voice for radio. I did radio for eight years. I had a couple shows, syndicated shows at Westwood One that I did for a long time. Well, take us back to the beginning, right? Because this is... Back this, to the beginning. I was a little boy. You know, usually we have like three guests on the show, but this is such an important show that we're... It's, the whole show is Randy Jackson today. What? Right? Yes, it's like it's Randy's Hour. It's like Randy's with Hour. With Scott and Jess. Exactly. With Scott Listen, and Jess. Listen, man. I was like the Stone song says... I was born in a crossfire hurricane. Is that where I was you... born in the hurricane belt of the south in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Amazing. You, you were know? born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana? Yeah, that's where I'm from. That's where I'm I grew up. I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. What? Oh, my God. I knew we were related. I knew you guys ah! would be yes. friends forever. Oh, my God. What's going on here, man? And maybe a match made, Scott. So, so you okay. guys are both Southern, which is probably both why I like you, because I'm obsessed with, like, Southern accents and things like that. But you were born there, and like, tell, how did it all start? Like, you started playing bass at what age? What, Dude, what age were you like? Up, I grew up there, you know, like my brother used to have this old band that would rehearse in my mom's garage. And uh, like, I fell in love with the bass. It was this band that used to practice, local club band that used to practice in the neighborhood on this guy's front porch. The whole neighborhood would gather around, and this band was dope called Big Bo Melvin and the Nighthawks. What kind of music what a was name. it? R and B, and a little bit of rock. You know, they play some Hendrix or whatever. And uh, and was, you know, was that what you were exposed to growing up from your family? You listened to R and B. I was R&B exposed like- to that. I was exposed to, you know, Hendrix, Zeppelin, everything. Because the greatest thing about the South, about that Bible Belt of the dirty, dirty, dirty South, is that all music was allowed. Whether it be hardcore blues, whether it be hardcore rock. Hardcore country, like OG country, boom chick country. Um, you Zydeco. know, Zydeco, Dixieland out of New Orleans. It really was just really rich with all kinds of music. Uh, I'll never forget there was a concert just to show you how crazy it was. Bill Graham Presents is one of the greatest promoters ever, probably the greatest. Would have these shows that he'd have the Doobie Brothers and have the Mahavishnu Orchestra with Billy Cobham opening. By the way, I know who Billy Cobham is because I'm a drummer and that's sick. <laughs> drummer, right. He's like one of the greatest drummers ever. Yeah, I've worked with Billy for a long time. So you had, but you had like a fusion band opening up for the Doobie Brothers at Old Black Water. Keep on trying. Yeah, so I'm like, what? Is this band playing a billion notes a second and then there's Old Black Water? And I'm sitting there scratching my head like, wow. But why the bass, right? You could have like sung. It spoke you could to have... me. I started, I started first playing drums. Oh, My did. brother's a drummer. Then I started playing guitar. Then I started playing bass when I was about 14. Then I played saxophone for like 10 years. Didn't our buddy so, Steven Tyler start as a drummer too? He started as a drummer too. Right. A lot of drummers. Yes, uh, you need to know drummers are cool. I already know you know that. but Drummers are cool <laughs> and a lot of drummers become the lead singers. True. Because they yeah. need to make themselves like, you know, worthy. Otherwise they get kicked out of the band. Exactly. Yeah, he's exactly. replaceable. He's just a drummer. He's just a drummer. You don't yeah. pay any mind to him. He just plays drums. Is yeah. that how people view it? Kind of. Well, kind of, but you know, 
The drummers, you know, the drummer's an important thing because that's where the beat starts. That's who's mm. keeping the beat. Shania Twain, I just saw her in concert in Arkansas, and her her drummer is this badass female mm. who has this big blonde afro. And at first I, I couldn't that. tell if it was a man or a woman because her hair was so big it was almost swallowing her face. You didn't have front row? <laughs> you know, I called them my VIPs in Little Rock, but they told yeah, me they, they didn't have the plug at the moment, so <clears throat> I was in the back. You should have called your dear friend Bill Clinton. He could have got you up. Oh, me and Bill. Yeah, we used to split Little Caesars together all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but he grew up. Anyway. So, so she's an amazing Shania drummer. Was great. She's great. Shania was great. I yeah. was just throwing in my two yeah. cents about the female drummer yeah. and how amazing it was to see a woman Did she on the sing drums? my favorite song, which is to me one of the best songs ever written, one of my favorite songs in life, written by her ex-husband, Mutt Lang, one of the greatest producers, my producing mentor in Def life. Def Leppard, Def Leppard. He did Def Leppard. Yeah. He did Billy Ocean, this R&B pop dude. He did ACDC. He did Foreigner. He did Shania Twain. There's no other producer in the history of records that's done real country, real urban, real rock, rock. real pop. That's true. This what? guy is he's a amazing. genius. Wait, wait. So wait, Robert Mutt Lang. He's amazing. The song was called Still the One. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. We know this that. song yes. is. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't even know you that. You know what? That's my you go-to guys out karaoke. there in songwriting fame, if you really want to know how to, what's the anatomy of a hit song, listen to Still the One. Also listen to Let It Be by the Beatles. These Guess two songs are two of the best songs ever written in the history of music. I have news for you. When yeah. this is all done, we're doing a video of Still the One with the three of us doing karaoke. Too. I so love just, that. just get ready for that. Uh-oh, I love that. That's, that's, that's coming. But I love wait, that. so to digress, girl, to, di- to digress, Randy. So you were, okay, so you fusion bands. You're like, the bass is speaking to me. Young kid, whatever. Dream growing up, love the bass, fell in love with the bass, everything about it. Started taking lessons from that guy in my neighborhood. Uh, Started playing in bands. You know, I must have played... I always say I must have played a million jobs or gigs before I ever got $4. Like a studio musician or you were like a live... I was doing some of that. I was doing a lot of live gigs because, you know, to me, the more you play, the better you get. Right. So I couldn't do it enough. Like I see all these people today, they feel like they're entitled. Oh, man. You know, I think I made them a singer-songwriter. I'm going to play the Hotel Cafe. Well, I played the, like, small, small, small nanosecond version of the Hotel <laughs> right. Cafe. So at what point were you like, oh, I got a gig now. I think I can make this into a career. Because were um, you working, like, regular jobs when you were doing that? Or you? I was in school. I was doing sports because, you know, I was like a sports head. I was playing football. And oh, okay. So you thought you were going to get a scholarship or something? Yeah, or? I was doing all of that. Okay. And, but I was doing music at the same time, but I was in a ton of bands because that, at that time you put together bands. Yeah. So you never worked in like a sandwich. I worked in like a tanning salon. I didn't work in a tanning did. salon or a sandwich salon, but I could have worked in a tan salon because, you know, the chocolate is like the flavor. <laughs> right. Chocolate's where it's at, y'all. If you don't know chocolate's where it's at. You're a really good selling point. <laughs> right. Just being in there. Right. Well, I'm right. just saying I had weird jobs. Did you have any weird jobs? I had up? some summer jobs. I was trying to be like a waiter for, I, I did, I tried to do all kinds of stuff. But luckily I got good enough that I could play in bands and make money on the weekends. Right. So I'd play in all like these big bands or these guys that have like these, cover bands and I would you know go out on gigs on weekends and make money so at that point at you're a like, young age so now, how old were you yeah how old were you when you like 15 15, 15 when you first started playing yeah, I was the playing bands in bars you know like the hood bars across the railroad tracks in the south there's always the undertaker there with the ambulance because sometime during the night somebody's gonna get lit 
Somebody's going to get shot, stabbed, something. So I remember like hiding behind my amp a bunch of times and shooting. Did that ever happen? Oh, yeah. Shooting broke off, you know, and then everybody, he wheels them out on the stretcher and they start again. Jess, have you ever been? I've never seen a shooting. Have you? Um, Yeah. In our neighborhood in Arkansas, someone was being robbed and my dad interfered and we were shot at. Wow. So, yeah, I've seen a shooting. No one got hit. It was fine. Yeah, well, you know, so I mean, you know, it's just what happens. But you're a kid, you don't even understand. You're just in this club playing. You're like, yo, this is fire. I don't care. I don't know what's going on. I don't know these people. So at some point, were you like, okay. So I was the original OG of hip hop, you yeah. could say. And at some point, were you like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to make this into, like, that's it. I don't need to do anything else. This is my career. Like, I'm set. No, you know, I had the duality of sports and music going on all throughout high school and a bit of college. And I just, I don't think it was really until my. Sophomore year, that summer of college, that I really, you know, I got pretty good. I practiced. I learned a lot of stuff. I had some lessons. I had some great mentors, amazing musicians. And my brother being an amazing drummer, there was a music teacher at Southern called Alvin Batiste. And he was friends with Cannonball Adley. So I was hanging out with all the jazz guys, all the cool guys. So my brother loved Coltrane. He loved Miles. And I became like a Coltrane freak. Coltrane just spoke to me and... I don't know, I just, I had a very, I happened into the right family at the right time, and my brother's an amazing drummer, my brother Herman, he's an amazing drummer, he teaches now, he's a jazz drummer. So was jazz your thing, like, growing up? Kind of, I started with, like, blues, and, like, R&B, and, like, rock, and that stuff, and I later drifted to jazz fusion. Now, I'll tell you something weird, do you know, have you ever seen the movie Bird, Jess? Do you know the movie Bird? Bird? No, yeah. I haven't seen it. So, Lady Bird. You know, that movie so, about the drums. No, Bird. Oh, the Charlie Bird. Yeah, right. Charlie Parker movie. So yeah. I don't know. This is a strange, weird fact about me. But my uncle was Red Rodney, who was Whoa. in Charlie Parker's band. Whoa. And Clint Eastwood directed the movie about him. So. Whoa. I also have a second cousin that's the president of Israel. My whole family has weird connections. Wow. There, so. so I can do my birthright thing in Israel. I, yes, I'll talk to <laughs> my dad, who I believe might be in the mafia or something. But yes, Whoa. let me speak. Whoa. Um, you don't only hear this that. stuff don't on lips. <laughs> you only hear this stuff with the lips. Um, but anyway, so, so that's awesome. So, Jess, do you listen to any jazz? It's always interesting to know. And jazz, yeah, of course I love jazz. Um, I guess just growing up in Louisiana, that was like a part of the culture, like you said. Um, yeah, I think I like almost all genres of music, except for Everything. some extreme heavy metal. Mm. Zydeco? You listen to Zydeco? Love Zydeco, right. yes. That's cool. Hunter Hayes, the, that's remember the how he started off? Yeah, Clifton, Chenier, all those boys with the washboard. But, you know, all that music grew out of the fields mm. the same way that rock grew out of the fields because rock came from the derivative of blues with all those guys. That's why you hear the Stones, Zeppelin, all those bands. Robert Johnson, The Beatles right? talk about all that stuff because these were guys like, you know, it was music based on a feeling. I'm so tired of working. Mm. Oh. Moaning in the fields while they're just picking cotton or whatever. So, you know, just, just a natural thing. thing. Yeah. That's awesome. So at some point you were like, okay, I'm getting some gigs. I'm getting paid. Now I really can make, like, what was your first band that had a record deal or at some point you. I worked on a bunch of records by a bunch of like old urban blues stars in the area. Anybody we would know? I got this gig, Irma Thomas. Um, God, who else was it? Um, oh, Lee Dorsey had a song called Working in the Cold Minus. Okay. Yeah. Right I think I so that uh, was your first... John your first. Fred and the Playboys who had a... He was in this sort of mock Beatle 
kind of tribute thing. And he had a song, a regional hit in Louisiana called Judy in Disguise. Okay. So he became this big thing. So I started playing with him. Um, we were like, you know, the baddest club bands around. Right, right. I was in this band, all the cover stuff. We were like dope. And then what was your first taste of success? I think being in those bands, I think traveling around the South with John Fred, I think my first big taste, after that sophomore year, I really dedicated the summer of trying to get as good as I could really possibly get. You know how you talk to teachers and stuff, and you talk about, like, you should do this. You should do that, Scott. Jess, you should do this. You should, like, learn to do this. This is what you really need to work on. But you hear it, but you're so busy grinding that you don't take the time to do it. So I finally said, you know what? Everything that was said to me that I need to work on this summer, I'm doing it. I don't care what's going on. Dating, girls, whatever, clubs, playing. I'm going to stop playing gigs. So you stopped dating for like two years? No. (laughs) For a summer. (laughs) Okay, for a summer. I took a summer off. I couldn't go for two years. (laughs) Okay. I took a summer off. Then during that summer, I worked on every single one of those things. So I go back to school in September. And I go, you know what? The first time I really feel ready, like I really got my hands underneath this music. So Billy Cobham was coming to Southern because he knew Alvin Batiste, teacher. Yep. He's trying to put together a new band, put together a touring band, a recording band, whatever. Alvin said, you should come down and interview some of our guys. Came down. I went to this audition with like, 10, 12 other bass players. And you got it? I got the gig. With Billy Cobham. Billy was Cobham. that Billy Cobham's solo band? Yeah. Okay. I got the gig. That's awesome. One of the, and, just, just you know, one of the greatest drummers, jazz drummers of all time. Not a rock drummer. Definitely a jazz drummer. So we should maybe, should we play a Billy Cobham song or should we wait to more of your commercial work like Journey or Steve Perry? Or, play whatever you like, man. We this is play the some, lips hour, dude. We want to play some of your music because I think it's cool to celebrate your life and, and everything you've accomplished. And more importantly, talk about how did you get to where you are? Like how, little kids that want to get into this business and want to you know, be on a TV show one day or be in an amazing band or something like that. How do they get there? So we're not done telling your story. We're, right. we're, we're only halfway through. But is there a song? Because I feel like we could play like a Journey or a Steve Perry song now that you played on. So na- uh, throw one out because I don't know everyone you played on. You can on. play anything you want, anything that you think. Well, what, give me a Journey or Steve Perry song that, that uh, you played on that we want to play. Journey song. Uh, Here's a Journey song. Uh, which one? On. Where's Steve Perry? Be good to yourself. Did you play on yeah, that you one? Can play on that. All right, let's play "Be Good to Yourself." Steve Perry, Randy Jackson on bass. I don't know how I knew you played on that, but I know that song. So, <laughs> luckily, I know something about music. I this love is that. Uh, Journey. Be good to yourself. Journey. and uh, Randy Jackson on bass. This is Lips LA with Scott Lips and Randy Jackson. So cool. Welcome back, guys. We were in the middle of hearing Randy's incredible journey. Me and Jessica. dope. Me and Jessica were listening to Randy's incredible journey, and we left off at, we played a journey song, but we left off at some jazz stuff. So take us back through the jazz era of your life for a second. So my first big gig, I got this gig with Billy Cobham, then I played with Jean-Luc Ponty. I played more with Billy, did two, three tours, two, three albums. Then Jean-Luc Ponty, who was also in the Mahavishnu Orchestra, this amazing jazz violinist from France, uh, did two, three records with him, kind of stayed in the jazz world for a while, 
made some records, worked with Herbie Hancock, worked with a bunch of other jazz guys. And you Jeff must have been Lover. good, by the way, because jazz is the hardest music in the world to it's play. It's the hardest music so to play. So you must be a good... I was, I, was, I was pretty good artist. at that time, so... But Jeff Lorber, Jeff Lorber Fusion, and that time Kenny G was in the band, so I mean, I stayed in this jazz thing. But I met a drummer here at the Santa Monica Civic that I'd been a fan of because after Billy left uh, Mahavish New Orchestra, another drummer joined named Narda Michael Walden. I heard of that guy. Sting's drummer, maybe? Mm, no. no, but he's played with everybody. Okay. Unbelievably talented drummer, producer, everything. He was starting a production company up in the Bay Area in San Francisco. I went up, I met him down here, and he says, hey, man, you should come up if you're up. You know, we're starting a production company, we're doing some stuff. Come do some sessions and whatever. So he and I... Corrado Rusici and a bunch of other ex-fusion guys that were jazz fusion players decided we were going to start this production company so we could start making pop records. Sister Sledge, uh, I mean, Stacy, we did so many records. Wow. And you played on all these records? Played on all these records, co-wrote, this is my time be- becoming a songwriter and a producer and a player. And do you have a favorite song you've ever written, by the way? It wasn't until we'd done about 30 or 40 records. Uh, we were managed by this guy, David Rubinson, uh, Rubinstein, that he basically was managing the Pointer Sisters and Herbie and all these people at the time. We went up there. We finally had a hit when Clive Davis gave us this record to make. He says, I'm trying to do an Aretha Franklin comeback album. And we said, let's see what we can write. Our first big hit was, I'm going riding on the freeway. All right. Of love in a pink and So we line. did that. Yeah. Huge hit. Huge comeback that? for Aretha. I didn't song? write it, but I played on it. Played on it. Huge hit. Huge thing for Aretha. Then the ball finally started rolling. So I'm telling you guys about perseverance because we did 40 records at being musicians at the top of the game. That really weren't working. How old were you at that point? I don't know. Probably 18. No, I'm just kidding. I was probably... (laughs) Like early 20s? 25, 24, I don't know, something like that. So you're 25. You've done 40 records plus at this point. You've been on the road. Yeah, but just to say that you think that you're great and a great musician doesn't make you write hit songs. Definitely not. People come in my office all the time, I'm the best singer, I'm the best dancer, I'm the hottest person. doesn't make you write hit songs. Exactly. Hit songs are hit songs, period. Jess, why do you listen to, because you listen to a lot of music, I assume, and I think you do. Why do you, think about it, why do you listen to the artists you do? It's probably because the songs, right? It's always about, it comes back to this, you love like. Yeah, it definitely comes back to the song, because you can love an artist and then not love their next album and just kind of fall off from them for a while until they come back with a next album who's again like their songs you fall back in love with so yeah you might like like the persona of lady gaga but if you don't like that hit song guess what you're not listening to lady well, gaga just this just describe what's going on in the music world today so in the music world today the song is king queen of everything better than more than the artist really that's the problem today right so the problem is today whereas you had the stones you had zeppelin beatles hendrix line the family stone whatever music you loved Thin Lizzy, whatever it is. Yeah. You got into the band, right? The artist, the pictures, you became a fan of the group. That's why the Stones, without a hit, and they'll probably never have another hit, or a lot of these bands, U2 or whatever, you're still going to go and see them because 
you fell in love with the band. Right. So me as a music manager today and as an artist and a producer and a writer and a player myself, that's what I'm always after because I'm not going to make any money off one hit, especially in we're in the verse of streaming. I can get lucky and something can have 300 million, 500 million, a billion streams. I can make some money, but that's very rare and hard to come by. So I need you to fall in love so you buy the hat, the T-shirt, the concert ticket. Exactly. Years later. Everything. So, which, which we would do for Led Zeppelin and the Stones. I and know, everyone. but she just identified what you wouldn't do today because today, got a hot song, I'll come see you. Right, In that's fact, it. people love jumping on the bandwagon of ragging and attacking their fellow idol if they're not in love with the music all of a yeah. sudden. Like, for example, Drake, his new album that he released when he got so much hate over it. Um, you know, we all loved Drake. And how could how could we be so mean? And the things that they were saying about him, I mean, it was but nothing. I, I mean, but then you release one hit like he has, and everyone forgets about it, right? Yep, it's washed away. It's all washed yeah. away. Now we're welcoming you back. Exactly. What well, do you think about that? Isn't is that that's, wrong? It's social media. So right. So for me, I was around when the whole thing started. Social media, the whole thing, YouTube, or Google, the whole thing. So all of these new things usually have a double-edged sword. They're equal parts good, equal parts bad. The good part about it, anybody in the world can put up music right now. Any damn body that has a pulse, right. a half a pulse, SoundCloud, can put whatever. up 80 songs right now. Right. The problem with the whole thing, there's no arbiter of taste. Nobody's saying, hang on a minute. This sucks. You <laughs> cannot put this out. No one's ARing those no songs. One's, no one's just saying there's no curator. Right. So there's a bunch of crap out there. And so to find the good stuff, it's hard. Yeah. So the problem is, is social media is wide open. So anybody can comment. So people think that artists actually listen to these comments. So stars is what I also don't see a lot of today, which is another problem for me from yesteryear. Yesteryear, you had stars. You had boy, you had like. Prince, Michael, I mean... Robert Plant, Mick you Jagger. You don't see that today. Yeah, everyone. Steven Tyler, you don't yeah. see that today. Yeah. Stars, can you curse on this show? Yeah, fuck yeah. Stars give no fucks. Yeah. Do you think Drake was really caring about people talking about him? One of the greatest things I learned when I worked with Madonna many years later, she adopted the Marilyn Monroe edict in life. As long as my name is on your tongue, I got you. You could hate me, call me whatever you want. You talking about me? Mm, that's very true. So, although you, all you don't press, let, there's a little. For the stars is good press. That's true. That, I mean, I do think that it, we've gone too far in the age of social media where this bullying stuff is—it's not okay. I mean, I think that's a whole other separate conversation. But yeah, it's not but, okay but, on any level. It's not okay. We'll talk about this in a second. But rewind for a minute. And so, all right, jazz. And at one point, how did you get into Journey? How did you get on American Idol? That's so all while I was about. in the Bay working with Narda, living in Moran, I met all the Santana guys. I met all the Journey guys. And Journey was formed out of Santana. Oh, I, I don't so know. So Greg Raleigh and Neil Schoen were in Santana. Herbie Herbert, the manager, was in. He was part of the road crew in Santana. They left and started Journey. And the first two Journey albums were more fusion records than not. So Tom Costa had a deal. He used to be the keyboard player in Santana. Wrote Europa, all these great songs with Carlos. We put together this little pickup band, he and I. Steve Smith, my buddy, played drums. Journey's drummer. Journey's drummer, who also played with Ronnie Montrose and a ton of others. Uh, Berkeley School of Music Boy. And we got Neil to come and play guitar because Neil wanted a place to just play. 
We're talking about so, Neil Schoen from Journey. Neil Schoen. So we yep. put this band together just to play around town, write some songs, and just to play and get our fusion chops out. We play these shows. Mark Isham, who's a huge film director now, he had another band with Peter Manu, another friend of mine who played guitar and Peter and uh, Billy Cobham's band with me. So we just all stayed close and tight. So in Marin, it's a small community, so we all knew each other. I met Bob Weir, I met Garcia. So me, Weir, and Garcia, and Tony Williams, another drummer, Amazing. had this kind of pickup side band. We play all these benefits for Bill Graham. So you played in, you played with members of the Grateful Dead too, the leaders. Yeah. Of the so Grateful me, Dead. Bob Weir, um, Jerry Garcia, Jerry Garcia, and Tony Williams, Joe Henderson, Wow, Chester Thompson from Tower Power. Yeah. Um, is that on? Can we? Is Thomas. that online anywhere? Because I feel like that's we would play these live benefit shows. I'm sure there's stuff somewhere. Yeah. Um, we do a rehearsal and play these benefits. So everyone became friends. So the Journey Boys, like Steve Smith was getting married, it was at the wedding. Me and Perry became friends. I go by to meet the guys. I think they were at the studio that we worked at in San Francisco, down in the South Market area, and I think they were recording any way you want. And Perry actually played bass on that, as I remember. Oh, wow. And, you know, we were just kind of hanging out. We'd become friends. Right. So that's how that whole thing kind of formed. Started. What was the first song or the first tour you did with them? First song, I think I ghosted on Frontiers on a couple of songs. Okay. Can't remember the names of the songs, but I think there was two songs on the Frontiers album. Well, Jess, do you know the name of the greatest karaoke song of all time that's also a Journey song? Mm. It's very easy. Trivia, trivia. No. no. Who's Don't anybody? stop. Just believing. Okay. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> right. Don't stop believing. Jess. Yeah. Well, let's play that song because you know it's probably the world's greatest karaoke song ever, and one, what, of, the world, one of the world's greatest songs. Period. Period. And so here you go, Journey. Don't stop believing. Uh, I don't. You didn't. This is one you did not plan. No, right? no. It's okay. way before me. It's a great Ross Valerie playing bass. Right. The OG of the band. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about how Randy got on American Idol and how he got into everything he's doing now, which is a lot of stuff. Hey there, this is Brandon Boyd from the band Incubus, and you're listening to Scott Lips on Lips LA. Welcome back, guys. We are here with the one and only Randy Jackson. Yo, from what American, it is? American Idol Journey and much more fame, and Jessica Michelle. Amazing. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Hello, hello. Yo, what it is, y'all? All right, so we just played Journey. I mean, just give us one Journey story before we move on to American Idol. We want to hear one quick Journey, Journey story. Journey story, one of the greatest bands in the history of bands. So fortunate to be with those guys. I love those guys for life. I mean, what great songwriting. I mean, Neil, Jonathan, and Perry, man. I mean, these guys, God, I don't know. I don't know what I can say. I mean, I, dude, stories, there's so many stories, but... All greatness, I think. It was the first time in my life after playing a million jobs or gigs or whatever on stage with them, I think at Calaveras County Fairgrounds up in San Francisco that we're playing this outdoor festival and there were 100,000 people. Wow. It was like Cal Jam or something? Cal Jam. Right, Cal Jam. Yeah. 100,000 people. All singing the words to faithfully. Wow. Like Jess, that's a good way to never you know? I'd never felt that rush of emotion to see the acceptance of people this like I had tears at the end. That's pretty incredible. Because what it meant is a hundred thousand people loved your song enough 
to learn every damn word. That's pretty powerful stuff. I always tell and people remember this. it. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, and you know, the feeling of that is like you can't ever put that into words. It's yeah, like, it's nothing. It's, it's like, nothing. It's, it's so riveting because you finally are really accepted for something that you did, that you created, that you really wanted. You go like, yo, man, they really like me. I mean, I'm really... That's better than almost any feeling I can ever imagine being a musician. I second that. That's the most powerful. You hold the microphone out and you don't even have to sing the words. It's incredible. Incredible. Wow. Jess is singing now, so let's hope that one of Jess's songs that happens. Yeah, Jess, when we're getting in the studio, man, what's going on? Gotta get in the lab. You are singing. Come on, Jess. That's on the DL. You want me in the studio. It's not on the DL anymore, but. All right, at what point, point, how did you get on American Idol? Because at some point you got on that show. A dear friend of mine, agent, a guy by the name of Jeff Frasco at CAA, dear friend, one of the most uber great agents ever. Calls me. I was doing A&R at uh, MCA at the time because after my journey days, I moved down to San Francisco. Uh, I was doing a lot of work as a session musician. That's when I worked on a couple spring scene records with another great drummer named Jeff Picaro. God yeah. rest his soul, one of the greatest ever. Toto's drummer. Um, and I was working on Lionel Richie record, Dylan records, Elton John, Billy Joel. Small artists. Like I was just small. I was, there I were was, small artists like that. I was Billy lucky, Joel, fortunate, and blessed. I was right. just like some of the smaller artists on the planet. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Me, um, and me, Danny Korchmer, and Steve Jordan, another great drummer. Yep. Used to do all these Dylan sessions and dates and stuff. So, um, I decided while I was down in L.A., I was like, you know what? I was writing, producing. I was doing a bunch of stuff, but I was like, you know what, man? I need to like. I need to kind of figure my thing out. I don't want to go on the road anymore. I'm done with touring. So I took a job being an A&R person at Columbia Records. A&R, for those of you who don't know, the people that find bands, sign bands, and develop bands. Develop them, make the records. It's It's like like a scout, like a band scout or something. It's the life's blood of the company because you make all the product that they go out and sell. Um, So I did that, and I was doing that. Then I left after 10 years doing that, and I went to MCA. Um, I was at MCA, I don't know, four years, five years. One of my friends calls me, John Frasco, and says, hey, man, we're bringing a show over from uh, England. You know, it's Pop Idol. You think you want to do a TV show or something like that? I don't know. They got judges, whatever. I go, uh, I don't know, man. Like, you know, music on TV is rough. Because <laughs> at, at that point, was there any other music no, competition No, there wasn't shows. anyone. But, right. you know, at the label, you could see putting bands like Blink-182 Blink or Mary J. Blige on a TV show or Common. And you can see if the sales spiked or not. Because, I mean, one of the great things about being in a label, you learn marketing, you learn promotion, you learn distribution, you learn how the machine actually works. Right. What what makes it work, what doesn't make it work, what's not working, what's working. Because you have to trend forecast and future forecast. Because you sign an artist today like Jessica a year from now, which is quick, as you get the record out, you got to know if the marketplace is going to be ready for what she's doing, the style of music or whatever. So... I was like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Let me know if you bring it over and sell it. Calls me back six months later. Bro, we sold the show. I mean, you should really come in and check it out. You know, they'd really love to meet with you. And you were already friends with Ryan Seacrest at this <clears> point, <throat> or you didn't know Ryan Seacrest? I knew Ryan barely because he was, him and LNK were on uh, Star 98 or 97 or whatever. Okay. So I'd had a bunch of artists and acts on there. I knew him. And I barely knew Simon Cowell, but I went over for a meeting um, at Fox. Had a good meeting, talked to them, the whole thing, the executives. Simon was there? Simon wasn't there. Then I had a meeting, Cowell and I said, at the Four Seasons. 
we're talking about because we're both A and R guys, right? Sure. So we sat there and we were laughing and talking, came up with some ideas, some concepts, and you know, I got the gig. I was like, oh man! Wow. Now, did they tell you who else was on the show at that point, or was uh, this like, they were told me some people they were looking at, but no one else was really quite confirmed. But they really were hoping that Paula would say yes. Right. Then I knew Paula because I'd known her. I also worked with a guy named Michael Bolton, and Michael Bolton, she used to babysit him, or he babysat her, or something. I don't know. Right, whatever. Sure. Uh, so they knew each other, so I met. Right. So I go, oh, this is going to be interesting. Um, this show could fail or win or lose or whatever. So going into the show, none of us thought it was really going to work. Right. We thought, what the hell? Let's take a chance. You never know. The end of the first season, when Kelly Clarkson was crowned the winner. You're like, we have something here. We sat there and we were like, wow, this is really going to work. Yeah. This is working. You didn't know that until the end of the first season. It wasn't crystallized until that moment. Right. But you could see during the season, you'd hear people in the street, oh man, I love that show because you're on twice a week. Right. And at that time, it was one of the highest debuting shows in Fox history. And, you know, you're getting 25, 30 eyeballs, 30 million eyeballs twice a week. So 60 million people. Crazy. And you were on that show for 14 years. Me and 14 Jess just seasons. figured that we just found out, right, Jess? Yeah. That's crazy. A minute, man. I was on for a minute, man. It's and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say I love Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson. It's, I, people oh, wouldn't she's think a I'd, great singer. But people wouldn't think I would like that song, but I like that song. She's a great singer, uber cool person, really smart, amazingly talented. <sighs> I love that girl because she's so damn real and honest. I love her. Jess, do you like that song? Oh, I love Kelly Clarkson. I love all of her songs. But yes, Scott, I can see you jamming to that. You know, since you've been gone. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Who's been gone for you? Who was it? Yes, Scott. Oh, dish, Scott. Dish. I don't, I don't know. Dish on Dash, so, bro. So in 14 years, and Jess, I'm sure you have some questions for Randy, too. In 14 years, I got, got a couple quick questions about that show. Was there anyone on that show that you're like, man, I fucked up. I should we said we should have signed that person. We should have they should have won whatever, and they and they went on to do incredibly well. Because I know, don't I don't I know always, everybody on that show. I always thought Adam Lambert was going to win, but he's gone on to do incredibly phenomenally well. He's an uber talent, amazing guy. He's I knew in, you were going to say him. Queen. That was who. Yeah. I knew, and you know what? Chris Allen won that season. Yeah. And Chris Allen was the lead singer at my church. So what? we were all every That's right, week. Arkansas. That's oh, right. my God. Yeah, and that you know, season was very personal. You know who Adam Alpert actually sings for Queen? Yeah, Adam Lambert. Yeah. Adam Lambert. Adam Alpert is the manager of the Chainsmokers. He's the I have no idea why I said that. But Adam, Adam Alpert's a good guy, Adam too. Lambert. Adam, Adam Lambert. Lambert, where have you at, bro? What's up, man, with the Chainsmokers? What's up? Adam Lampert. Sorry, it's uh, my dyslexia kicking in. Adam Lampert um, sings for Queen now. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool, right? Um, so who, anybody else that should or was there anyone that won that you were like fuck this Jennifer should not Hudson, happen Jennifer it was a tough season we had our own dream girls Fantasia won that year but Jennifer I knew was going to go on the big heights because she's an uber talent too listen we got so many so many talented people from those shows I just it's crazy and I, I want to say my favorite other than you and you 
my favorite human on the planet, and you probably know who that is very well, is Steven Tyler. And I love S. And, and I I probably have I think I don't know, I kind of like a man crush it's like a man crush. <laughs> but he's like my he's like my my back. boy, yeah. But he's also your boy, you know. He's my boy. I so, love him like cooked food and I love cooked food. It's I never met anyone sense. so charismatic in my whole life. Is it me or is that guy the most charismatic Steven guy? Steven Tyler is what we call a rock star. They, they, they this is what I like don't see exactly I don't see these anymore. I see all these people i see people with star songs but i don't see star people i become like a 13 year old schoolgirl when he calls me i'm like i look at my <laughs> phone like is he really calling me what's uh, so weird i love st yeah. where you at man you should be here with us on the show i know we got to get him on an episode here come for on sure. st so where I, you at brother i think he's on tour with my boy marty fredrickson right now yeah they're doing their solo tour but yeah i thought we should facetime him or something but i don't know at some point we can maybe see if that's gonna work but yeah just i mean any other we gotta because there's so many other cool things that happen from that show so i mean there's gotta be for sure some i mean yeah, did you ever have like a favorite since jazz is so close to your heart did you ever have someone who really stuck out in your head on american idol that you would have wished would have gone further but maybe because they specialize in jazz the audience i don't know if didn't... it was so much that but they just well this talks about what's it take it to make it in the industry you got to have unique star quality you got to have talent and what's star quality to you Something unique. What's special about you? What's unique about you? What makes people in the room look up, walk up, talk up when you walk in the room? Mm. How do you change the thing? What makes you different? Because, I mean, Scott, you and I see this all day, every day. Everybody's beautiful. Everybody's hot. Everybody can sing. Everybody can dance. Why do I care? I say this to every artist. Make me care. Why do I care about you? You have to give no fucks is what you said. That also, but that's part of that charisma star thing. But what makes you unique? Right. Why shouldn't I just get Jess? Why should I get you instead of Jess? Well, she looks much better than me for sure. <laughs> and skinny I, jeans. Even if I put a wig on, I won't right, look that good. Right. So, I, so right. that's definitely why. But you wore what red is the wig, it though? factor? Right. So, so if you're giving advice, all right. There's some people like I got to get into the show business. I'm a singer. There's we all know in LA. There's like, do you have the it factor? What makes you special and different? Do you also have the talent? And everybody under the sun needs the song. Right, that's the most important advice I the think. Song of this. It's a song is everything. The song is key. Listen, me and a DJ over there could have our own record out. We don't sing or do whatever. It could be a smash. We could give the band some fuzzy name, fuzzy dice tumbling, whatever. Right, people would buy it if they liked the song. That's true. Well, so we're the one of the last things I want to talk about with you is that the fact that look, social media is a good thing and it's a bad thing in certain respects. It's a double-edged sword. And yeah. and for artists now, it's a good thing if you know how to hustle. And I, I personally believe if you're a really great hustler, Jess is incredible at working on social media and, and her content and everything. Yeah, she, she told creates. me she's going to take over my social media. She's great. So <laughs> like, if you know how to hustle and you can build a hype around you and you do have some quality to put out there in the world, then record labels and people like yourself will pay attention, which leads me to my next subject and maybe last subject with you. But the most famous person on the planet is probably Kim Kardashian. And a lot of people don't know, but you actually helped put that show together. So I'm going to ask you, to, you've only told me the story seven times because I <laughs> kind of like every time we go out to dinner, I'm like, Randy, tell everyone the story of how you put the Kardashians together. But well, I didn't put them did, together. They were already a family, but I'd known Kim for a while. She was working with Brandy at the time. And we had Brandy as a guest judge on Idol of uh, San Francisco auditions. Me, Ryan, and Simon was sitting there at lunch talking to her, whatever, whatever. And 
I was talking to her about the family and I said to Ryan, listen, you should meet Kim. You should do a show with her because he just started his production company at E. So you do, should do a show with her because this is like a very different, unique family with these girls, this whole kind of vibe. And that's essentially what happened. He talked to them. He was like, bro, I love her. She's the bomb. Like, we should do some stuff. But so he, he gives you Chris. credit. He gives you credit yeah, on his yeah, radio yeah, show no. for helping to facilitate the whole thing. So oh, yeah. He you, you definitely d- gives me credit. Yeah, so you had something to do with putting it together. They're like yeah, suggesting I mean, or some in life may say I'm an Uber god or lord or king or something, but <laughs> right. it's okay. I, right. I'll take lord for now, you right. know. Right. Randy, Lord Randy. <laughs> we'll say Lord Randy. Right. <laughs> so, so then, because you knew Robert Kardashian, right? I knew the dad. I met, I knew Chris. You know, it's just, you know, from being around LA and being in the mix and in the cut, you know a lot of people. Yeah. So, how has the music business changed from the age of the Kardashians and where it's at now to when you first started playing? Because you used to have to have. You know, I remember when I lived out here years ago, I had a band. It was, I won't tell you what year it was, but you probably remember. We used to pass out flyers. Yeah. And every weekend, the Sunset Strip had like thousands of people with long hair, hair like yours, Jess. I look like you, but, you know, more And you guys can't manly. tell, but my hair is really long. Really long. Down to the floor. Down to the floor. Yeah. And, and, and that's what we did. We passed out flyers. Poison and Guns and Roses and all these bands. LA Guns. Yeah, well, that was the band I played with the singer oh, back in the day. So we would pass out flyers. We would make flyers. The art direction was, like, key. We all, like, looked a little bit like women. And I guess at the time, girls liked but, that. But you guys had a thing, because that was the whole Motley Crue thing. You guys had a thing. We had a thing. So... That's why you were trying to make it look unique and make it look special and interesting because I do believe if you're going to do a show and you're playing shows, what am I coming to see? What am I paying to see? Just some regular dudes on a regular stage doing regular shit? No, it was a show. And that was, listen, that's why I grew up on Kiss and Aerosmith and on right. Zeppelin and all these bands. That was a rock show. Right. I don't even know what bands look like these days. I mean, I'm not going to mention that's any names. That's part of the problem. That's there, part of the issue. I could throw out 50 bands right now, Jess, and you tell me if you know what they look like, because I'm pretty sure that, I don't know what they look like either, right? Right. There's certain bands. a so. visual image of a band? Yeah, it's so yeah. hard. So, so that, so in a, like, if we had to give the, like one great piece of advice to kids that want to get into the music business now from you is like, Obviously, what do they have to do? They have to find the song, right? Find you got to find the song, but first of all, what makes you unique, and do you have really the stamina to really take the no's that you're going to get 100 million of them before you get two yeses? Are you really... It's something that someone said to a band I was working with in Dallas when I was at Columbia Records. Uh, guy opens up the door with the studio. His name is Willie Nelson, and he saw him in the band. Oh, my God, it's Willie Nelson, so he meets them. So he closes the door, but then he opens the door really quick and says, it's not whether you want to do it. Do you have to do it? Mm. So do you have to do this? Does your life depends on this? Are you never going to give up? Are you going to die trying? Then get in it. If you weak conviction and you're just doing this to like try and like get chicks or get dudes or whatever the hell or try and become rich. Next. Exactly. You, well, I actually never had a plan B growing up. Did you have a plan B, Jess? I didn't have one either. You have a plan B? No, I'm just being a rich, hot housewife. (laughs) How many kids, though? (laughs) Ew, no, none. No kids? No, I'm just kidding. I had a child already. No, I, I, I but never. But you have a child? Yes, you I have a nine-year-old child. You do not, Jess. She does. She I does. Do. The Jess. show is Jess, about me. I like Andy. you now. I like you even more. <laughs> but can I just tell you something? You Jess. You have procreated Jess. 
I, I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> He's alive and kicking. But, you know, in kind of talking what we were talking about, Jess was on Top Model years ago, and I didn't know that when I even met her. Like, Well, that's something. where Jess and I met, because I was on there, too, but the male version, but then they kicked me oh, off. Oh, you were on America's Next yeah, we'll <laughs> Mail Model, Top Mail Model, right? Um, so, yeah, so Jess, actually, what season was that again? Three years? Season 14. Oh, Who sorry. won that season? Krista White. Yes. Um, you remember? Yeah, yeah. Krista White. The difference between Top Model, they're both hit shows, everybody tunes into them, is what I, from what I've seen is the winners from American Idol have longevity in their careers. And America's Next Top Model, it's a hit and miss sometimes. It, but you just, you don't mind, it doesn't even matter about the end game. It's really just for the entertainment of the show and like how exciting it is. But that is something that I've noticed like with that. reality TV where it's a competition, where you have something where you're trying to win something. American Idol is one of the shows that people really built a career off of after the show. Yeah, because I think it's different. You know, I mean, music's been around a long time. Modeling's been around a long time, but I think it's harder to probably make that thing as a model go. But listen, you certainly have done it. A lot of other girls have done it because you've used social media. And for that, it's really good uh, because it tells brands that you have saleability and they go like, oh, shit, well, I'm going to get to do this campaign. I'm going to get to do this and pay you that. The music thing, you know, if you look at all the idols, though, we're more successful than any other show, primarily because Paul Abdul was a star, is still a star, knows what that's about. Seacrest is in radio. Me and Kyle were A&R guys. So before somebody's hand touched the door and we saw their face, as soon as we saw their face, 40 boxes would go down by their head. I'd go like, eyes too close together, bad posture, needs a complete makeover, <laughs> hair's a mess. Crazy. Like, what are those shoes? Like, no sense of style, fashion. So. There's a saying in the old days, you got to walk in here with it. If you don't walk in here with it, you ain't got it. So I shouldn't have to give it to you. Stars are born. Steven right. Tyler was born with that. I mean, there's nobody no one, yeah. made him that. Mick Jagger was born with that. Totally. You know, Prince was born with that. Michael Jackson was born. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So that's part of the issue. So we, as soon as they opened their mouth and sung, we could tell, oh, bad, low register. High register is okay. But we're already in our minds thinking this kind of song or that kind of song maybe could work for them. Because we've been doing this all our lives. I did it for myself as a musician, so I can see. So people always like, I'll go to a show to see some new act, and I'll hear like a half a song go, got it. What do you mean? We just got here. I'm out of here. I I, I already know what, I kind of know what this needs to make work. Because, you know, you got to look at why isn't this working? So within 30 seconds, because I kind of, even when like a model walks in the door, I feel like I can kind of tell within like 30 seconds of, the vibe, the attitude, the hunger, the, Bob you know, the, Fossey, look, the whole package is there. Bob there, right? Fosse would say this about dancers. You didn't walk in here with it. I don't like the way you walk. Next. Wow. That's crazy. So the model, you see them all the time? You yeah. see them coming in? Okay, like, you got any swag? Yeah, exactly. Or you got no swag or you're just beautiful and you just look great in photos and, okay, I guess it's just for print. I guess you can't walk. And if you can talk, I don't know if there's any swag. See, Jess has got swag. Yeah, it's so called the, it's like the it factor. You either yeah. have it or you don't have it. You can't really put your finger with that. Right. Twirl in to every door I walk through. I twirl. I see that. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> so you do like Cardi B, you twerk and twirl? <laughs> mm, right through the door with my arms spread wide like this. You know? Wow. You are That's awesome. how I booked America's Next Top Model, I swear. I believe that. <laughs> and and today, Randy. So you you're managing acts today. You're managing you're managing chefs. You're managing. I mean, tell me everything. Writer producers. Take us up to today, right? Manage a bunch of writer producers. Eight, five artists, um, five chefs, 
Uh, we do a lot of branding, licensing. We pitch a lot of TV and film. I'm thinking I have dinner tonight at the restaurant. Do you work with the chef from Tessie? From Tess. You're going to Tess I'm tonight? going to Tess. Don't you work with the I chef? I don't work with them, but okay. my friends developed that restaurant ah, okay. and put it on in there. I saw you there. the owners, yeah. We ran into Helena Christensen there. Yes, the yes. Right. Tess is cool. amazing. Um, another another Lips client, Helena Christensen. Uh, do we love... I- talk about an Uber model. Icon, icon. Yeah. I said yes. that to her. I said, you're a legend. No, I'm not a legend. No, you are. You're a legend. She's I'm awesome. not a legend. You're a legend. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. So, um, all right. So we're going to play an artist now. Just tell us a little bit about this artist that you manage. So this artist's name is Justin Jesso. He had a huge hit about nine months ago with Kygo, a song called Stargazing that he co-wrote and he's featured on. He's on tour with Kygo right now. But he signed to Sony Europe and he's starting to blow up. And this is his first single, My Body. All right. We're going to play My Body. We're going to come back and wrap it all up with Randy Jackson. This is Lips LA on Dash Radio. And Scott and Randy Jackson. And we're back. We're back. Yeah, yeah, y'all. What's up? Everything's good. So, um, uh, man, this has been such an incredible hour with you, Randy. I mean, I will say we are like complete, you know, we're boys and we live like in the same place. Dude, we're, we're bro. Like, Scott is my bro, you guys out there. Come on, man. We're almost roommates. We kind of like. I know, man. Habitat. Should we get like a crib at the beach and like a white on Mark van? We actually did talk about getting a place together, right? Weird. Let's do a place at the we, beach, yeah. man. Okay. Well, we should. I'm well, in. Let's we do throw it. a bunch of Jazz parties. Too. Yeah, I love it. I like think wild we out. I think we should, but. Um, we learned a lot today, obviously. I mean, Randy, thank you so much for coming in. And by the way, you guys all follow Randy. Jack- do you do your own Instagram, by the way? Uh, no, I have, I people. have some people, people that do okay. some people. Yeah, I'm always tagging Instagram. Randy, and I'm like, does he look at it? I don't know if he's looking at it or not. I don't you know? really. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, but, but yeah, right, it's great, got, though. But yeah. <laughs> you tag me, but I don't look yeah. at it. Right. <laughs> Randy's like, what? So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been amazing. Um, and Jess, yeah, I mean, I, it's been like such a fun. It's always fun. Jess, follow yes. me, Jess. I I am already following you. You guys took a picture together with James <laughs> Goldstein course. at the photo show. Come right? on, Jess Goldstein. That's a G right there. He reposted. Yeah, that was cool. You look at him. That's like validation in our society. <laughs> Dude, right? he is a G. We he can is. all move into his house. I. It's a great house. It's a great house. But he donated that house to LACMA. I don't know if you guys know he, that. He did? Yes, he did. Well, I mean, not now. I think when he moves out or something. Wow. Well, maybe he's not moved out, but wow. something. When Some he's not, let's just say when he's. Clothes. Yeah, when he's not there anymore. I don't I want to say why. Let's just say. Yo, he when, loves art then. He does. He donated he does. I love yeah. art too, man. Yeah. You guys, Scott, have you been down to see my boys' art exhibit, Beyond the Streets? Roger yes, Gassman? Yes, it's very cool. Jess, Roger have you been there? Yes, bomb. I've been as well. It's incredible. What a cool Incredible, Raj. Yeah. Big ups, brother. Yeah, and follow Randy Jackson on Instagram. I'm sure you guys are all following Jessica already, and we're going to heavily promote this. Um, and so, yeah, Dash Radio, thanks for having us. We're live from the Dream Hotel. We want to thank Randy Jackson. We want to f- thank Jessica. Thank Jess. you, guys. Scott, thank you for tuning in. Jess. Ski, where you at, man? Holla at your boy. It's been real. And I want to close the show playing uh, Ape Ship. I like this. I'm digging this new Jay-Z, Beyonce song. I think yeah. it's called The Carters. So. Produced by Jay-Z, Beyonce, and Pharrell. Give a big shout out to Pharrell. Shout out to Pharrell. And here's Ape Shit. And see you guys later. Bye. Woo! My name is Zach Selwyn. You may remember me as a host from ESPN, Attack of the Show, or even Immortalized, that competitive taxidermy show on AMC. We lasted one episode. Anyway, three times a week, I'm bringing you the realest fake news of the day. It's the Saturday Night Live News Desk, but in an audible format. Listen to the Audio Up News Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey! 
Dennis Quaid here, and I want to tell you about the Orange Tree. Now, I have recently started a podcast network called Audio Up, and much as I prepare for movie roles, I've been researching the podcast landscape and listening to hundreds of podcasts. One in particular stopped me in my tracks. The Orange Tree. It's a true crime podcast series told with such authenticity and care by Haley Butler and Tinu Thomas, two journalists who were University of Texas students when they started reporting on the story. It's about the 2005 murder of a young woman named Jennifer Cave near the University of Texas at Austin campus. What struck me most was the thorough examination of the case and the exclusive access granted to these two young reporters. What makes this true crime story so unique is their perspective. They're two young women who are the same age as Jennifer Cave and at very similar points in their lives. The Orange Tree is engaging, it's thoughtful, and really, really powerful. Take a listen to The Orange Tree on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.